brothers and sisters. Welcome to episode five of Raxford and Feathers. I'm your host, Brent Ruff, and I sat down today with Mr. Mustachio himself, as always, Adam Peterson and Ray Cole. Talked venison recipes today. Had a lot of fun, so I think you guys are going to enjoy this. Here we go. Adam, this is pretty much... Yo, shit. I mean, you, you are chef extraordinaire, no, Mr. Thanks. Mustache. Yeah. So, I like to cook. Um, he prefers the term culinary genius. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, my old neighbor, Ray. Research hey. Ray. Research Ray. He was, he was one of our uh, two Facebook viewers earlier. That That's right. right us. That's right. So let's talk about venison. Um, you put in the time to hunt. You were successful in your hunt. We told you, you know, basically how to cut it up. Um, let's do something with those cuts yeah, of meat. Yeah, man, there is, there is nothing better than opening up your freezer and seeing those little bricks of gold. And, right, and right. Getting burgers, out meat. Burgers, steaks, just for they, days. You provided for your family. It didn't cost you anything more than the time that you spent hunting the deer, uh, you know, the money you spent buying the equipment. Um, and what are you going to do with it? Let's eat it. Uh, venison is one of the most healthy meat out there um, <clears throat> naturally lean uh, no growth hormones in it uh, you know organic as they come so uh, and it really you can do anything with it um, any, any basically anything you can do with beef beef, with beef yeah beef uh, I like to talk about whitetail as kind of being like the goat of the forest high-speed beef <clears throat> is what Popsy calls yeah. it. yeah um, where this is one of the animals uh, that you actually don't have to cook thoroughly. Um, you can actually eat medium rare. You can leave a little bit of blood in the meat uh, when you cook it. So uh, that being said, it's it's so lean venison that I mean, if if you cook it to you know on on, on the more well done side of things, it's right. going to be super super dry. Yeah, and so, tough. Yeah, easy to overcook. And it is yeah. easy to yep. overcook. Um, because generally, you know, some of your steaks are going to be a little bit smaller than a beef steak. Uh, some of your cuts are going to take a little more well, finesse. Well, yeah, we talked about butterflying the back strip, right, right? Right. So, like like we said earlier, the the thinnest part of the steak is the middle. Right. You know. So I mean, you, yeah, you definitely want to take um, uh, more liberty if you are processing the meat yourself to cut the steaks maybe a little bit thicker if you can. Right. If you can afford to. Um, it's really up to you. If all you do with it is make burger, there is an endless list of things you can do with deer burger. Um, if you make your own burger, there's the question of what, you know, do you make it just lean meat or do you cut a little bit of fat into it? Uh, if you want to put fat into it, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You can buy beef suet, uh, mix that in. You can get pork to put in with it. I prefer uh, buying some really cheap, really fatty bacon and just cutting that in with it as you're grinding it. Um, that gives you, I don't think we do like 80, 20 or anything like that. We keep now, what's it, the advantage <laughs> of having fat in your meat? Oh, the fat keeps the meat from drying out. It, uh, it helps it not scorch immediately right. when it hits a hot pan. It kind of just keeps it. Hold it together a little bit. Yeah, yeah. holds it together. Now, um, now, there is tricks. Like, I, I personally don't like to put any fat in my venison. Right, I'm the same When way. I grind it up. Now, I, what I do do is for things like if, if I'm <clears> doing a batch where I know I'm gonna use specifically four burger patties, right? I'll put things like jalapeno, onion, oh, yeah, absolutely. cheese. Um, Sorry. No, you're good. Um, you know, and then freeze it that way. And then 
you know, I know you're seasoning your, your Lowry seasoning and right. your pepper, and then when you patty it up, you just throw it right on. And that cheese, what that does, it, it helps adhere that. It's like that a meat glue. Together. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because there's not that natural fat in venison. It's it's so lean. Now the fat that is on venison, we should have probably talked about this a little bit more in depth when we were talking about butchering. But uh, what tallow is? Tallow is that real thick fat that's on the back. It's a real waxy and it yeah. does not taste good. That you no. don't you don't want to add that to your grind thinking that you're you're adding good fat to right. it it's not. I mean it it tastes like if you were to chew on a crayon. Yeah, it's it's best uh, just left alone, you know, when you you take the skin off, you remove the tallow too. Uh, just I don't know what you would save it for even. Maybe bird food. You can break it down and make like candles and shit out of it. Yeah. I've heard, but I mean <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I, I don't have enough time for that, but if people do, that's great. Um, right. That'd be another use for, for the part of the animal, so I'm absolutely all for now, that. Now, like bear, like bear tallow, though, like that you can break down. Right, bear fat for all kinds of shit. is a little bit different. Uh, I think it's more globular, whereas like venison fat tends to be, like you said, more waxy. Yep. Um, a little bit harder, I think. That, that's, that's exactly what it reminds me. If you, if you grab it, it'd be like if you melted a crayon and then it, it dried. Yeah, kind of like that mixed with a bar of like half-wet soap, sort of. It's yeah. kind of greasy a yeah. little bit. Yep. That's, um, that's good. So yeah, for you, those of you out there that like to eat crayons or soap, <laughs> you might want to save it. Um, for the rest of us, we'll, uh, right. like you said, you I prefer myself lean meat when I, in the grind. I, I don't like any fat cut into my burger because I can add fat myself when I cook it. Like if I'm just frying up some burger to make tacos with, I'll put the burger in a pan with either some butter or some olive oil. And that fat will kinda, as the meat renders down, act as a, a protectant and keep the meat from drying out as much. And if you use butter, it gives it a good flavor And too. we were talking about coal fat before. One of the right. things you can use coal fat for is like if you wanted to make venison meatballs, for instance. Yeah. Now, so you, you take your grind meat, roll it into your meatballs, and then put whatever you want to put in your meatballs, and then wrap it in that coal fat, and then right. it's, it becomes like translucent, kind of shiny, glossy. Yeah, you I could mean, also use it for like, a, for like a, a roast. You know, if you got a neck roast that maybe is going to be a little drier, you take that cowl fat and sort of wrap it around the roast, you know, tuck it in a little bit, just one layer around it, and as that cooks, it'll render that fat into the roast and kind of baste it a little bit, you know, with that deer flavor that I particularly care for. A lot right. of people think that, you know, I, I don't want to eat anything that's real tough or real grainy or any of that, but I like to know that when I eat the meat that it's from a deer. I like to taste that little bit of gaminess in it. And oh, yeah, that's yeah. There's nothing better than eat, eat, eating a deer steak and having some blood run down your yeah, chin. Yeah, oh. yeah. That's what's great, again, about deer is that you don't have to cook this well done you know with bear meat you have to cook it all the way through because there's uh, a risk of Trich uh, trichinosis. trichinosis yeah and other uh, parasite I guess uh, diseases or, or yeah things you can get that you don't really want to get from a bear from a deer as long as when you butchered it there were no signs of we also should have mentioned um, tuberculosis or you know when you look for signs of disease in the animal when you gut it, when you field dress it. Um, you, a lot of times deer are a lot cleaner. So there's a lot you can do with it uh, as far as cooking it. Um, if, if all you do is make burger. Well, and here's the thing, dude. If, if you're processing your own deer, the, the 
you can do yourself a huge favor. Go out and get yourself <clears throat> a grinder. Yes. You can buy a hand grinder for probably, I, I think it's about 20 bucks. At, yeah, 20 or 30 bucks. Yeah, I mean, they're they're not expensive. Um, my my father bought a uh, Popsy. He's been yeah. on here. Um, a really good, it was, it was like, it was on sale. It was like 250 bucks, but you could put like 20 pounds of meat up in that tray, man, and you could burn through some grind pretty quick. An electric grinder? Yeah, and it's awesome, dude. Um, also, if you have like a KitchenAid mixer, they have a, a... It'll pay for itself rather quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the benefit of being your own butcher, besides just knowing, you know, having the knowledge of where your meat comes from and what goes into it, is also that it saves you a lot of money. You know, this is meat you're not going to have to go to the grocery store to get because you put 60, 70, 80 pounds of meat away during deer season or more um, in your case. Right. So this is all natural. Um, you know where it comes from. You know what it eats. You know. Yeah, when you think about grass-fed Angus. Yeah. Jeez. This is Christ. You want For the price? Oh, I know, man. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, even if you take your deer to a butcher to have it done and don't do it yourself, 80 pounds, and what would you say you get off a year and a half? Like, uh, meat total, 50, 60 pounds? If that, yeah. I mean, if, hey. if you're lucky, if, yeah. if they do a good job. Right. Um, that's, fuck, price per pound. It, it's you're still uh, winning, you know yeah, what I mean? absolutely. It's, it's way better than paying for those uh, grass-fed organic cuts of, you know, whatever you want to get from, like, Whole Foods. Not knocking Whole Foods because I buy a lot of stuff from them, but uh, their prices tend to be a little bit higher. You can get your own all-natural meat on the cheap just by doing it yourself, taking right. the time, you know, putting in the hours and the effort, and it. Well, so, yeah, you look at price per pound if you get you buy a tag. And, yeah. And and you you it costs you time <clears throat> and energy, sure. but man, you get knowledge. It, it's it, it, there's something about when you're sitting at the at the dinner table. And what you're looking at in front of you is an animal that you supplied, yeah. that you put in the yeah. time and the work for. There's, There's something yeah. special about looking that animal in the eye before you shoot it, and then when you're sitting at that dinner table feeding your family with it. There's yeah, something it's, really it's a special sense of pride, about that. and it goes back to uh, you know our basic caveman instinct. Mm -hmm. You got a family, you want to protect your family um, and provide. Providing is is what makes our you know society flourish. People got to eat to live. And this is some of the best meat to eat and some of the easiest ways to achieve it, you know, on the cheap. So yeah, everybody wants to tout that farm to table. Right. It's woods to table. I mean, it doesn't get any more organic, you know, or natural than this. This is. Yeah. Well, we talked about earlier about it should be in every in the curriculum. There's, there's that word again, Adam. Curriculum. There you go. <laughs> that fucking thing. Anyway, so that shit, I mean, those kids need to know where that shit comes Absolutely. from, man. Everybody yeah. needs to know. I mean, it, it's, it's, you look, just look, the, have you ever, look up ag gag laws. Just, just look up what that is. Give it a Google. It's worth a Google. Careful when you punch it in. Make sure you do it right. <laughs> Start punching in gag, get all kinds of weird all shit. All right. <laughs> anyway, so, but yeah, just look into that. I mean, these animals live shitty lives right you know chickens piled on top of one another yeah i know and, and a lot of people don't think twice of buying chicken nuggets if people saw the tyson chicken facility where they slaughter those birds and process them mm -hmm. they would never buy a tyson uh, ingredient the conditions again. they live in it's yeah and, and the antibiotics they had, that's what or is, is it antibiotics or steroids it's, both both yeah man. yeah it, so. it, it, it's it sucks you know but you got the, this animal that 
you harvested that had no idea you were there. It right. lived its life. It did its thing, and, it's, and you were putting it to good use. It's eating soybeans. It's eating field corn. It's eating you know grass, uh, beets, you know, carrots. Yeah, like, like they say, like bears, you could taste. Right. They're like like a like the one that's shooting one the blueberry patch as opposed yeah, you to ta- like you can like actually smell blueberries when you're gutting yeah. it. You right. Know? And they're and they're fat. They say actually turns kind of a bluish tint to it. Right. Yeah. Well, they you know the phrase. But, but if you have one that's a coastal bear and it's eating salmon every day, the it's phrase gonna taste like fish. You yeah. are what you eat. You know that's right. That's what you put in like, is what you, you get you out. Can so. always, it's funny. You can always tell a deer. <clears throat> I can now anyway after doing so many of them. You skin it out. You can tell. Oh shit, that fucker's been in the corn like a oh, motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. it's got all kinds of fat. Yep. You know, or a squirrel. You just get a squirrel out. And yeah. Right away, you notice like, oh, he's been eating good. Yeah. Squirrels are all, maybe all the acorns or whatever they eat, all the nuts, all the high protein food that they ingest really packs on the loose fat. You know, and they need it. That little rodent in the winter time has to survive. Delicious little bastard. Oh man, that's for a different episode. But so tenderloins, man. <clears throat> That's, yeah. the, that's one of the first things you're going to cook up after you, cook, after you do your deer. And you brought over a doe tenderloin this year that, <laughs> that, dude, my cousin's boyfriend, Shane. Yeah. And he had tried venison one other time, he said. Didn't like it. Yeah. He tried that thing. He's like, dude, it was literally like melting in my mouth. How did you do that? Let the listeners know. Because, <laughs> and I want to know, too. Because that shit All was right. awesome. Yeah, my <laughs> wife loved your meat, too. Well, oh! I'm used to that. <laughs> that's why I had to move away. Anyways. <laughs> um, a lot of cooking is is in the preparation you get you know what it takes to cook a tenderloin heat uh you know something to cook it in and something to season it with right so you start with a hot pan um i believe on that one i used a pat of butter and some italian seasoning um, and just threw it in the pot pan like medium high heat um, probably for two or three minutes on one side flipped it over had a nice sort of color to it uh, hit it with salt and pepper is all you need. The Italian seasoning in the butter kind of infused in the meat a little bit, uh, two or three minutes on the other side until I like to do, when I flip it over, if I got good color on the one side, I watch it until the blood kind of starts to pool up on the top, on the, the side that's already cooked. When I start to see the blood come out a little bit and you touch it and you can feel it, it's, it's starting to firm up a little bit. It's still kind of tender. You take it off the heat. And the, the most important part, um, like with beef, you have to let it rest. When it comes out of the pan, the cooking process actually isn't over with because you heated it up. Now it's still holding on to this heat, and as it cools down, it finishes cooking. That's why if you take a steak right out of the pan and put it on a plate and cut it, the son of a bitch bleeds all over the plate. Yep. If you let it sit there with something over it, you know, another plate, just something to cover it, not necessarily smothering it, but just to kind of hold the heat on it as it cools down, it will redistribute all that juice throughout the meat. And then eight minutes later, the steak's still plenty warm. You cut into it and it's got a nice red center. It's hot, it's juicy, it's tender because you let all that blood sort of recirculate through there. Instead of losing it, it turns into Right, it turns into more of a juicy flavor as it holds into the meat. And after you let it rest, you can do whatever you want with it. Um, so that particular piece, I believe, was it cut up when I brought it to you or I left it whole? And we cut it up there with a I think you brought you it whole. Yeah, yeah, you did. Because we, uh, we were cutting it with a buck knife, I remember. Yeah, it was cold, so the butter that was in it kind of... There kinda, was a lot of kind of mumbling going on. It was more like, mm, mm, Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I brought it in a piece of tinfoil on a plate, and it had kind of... 
it was it was cold. It wasn't hot anymore. Um, but even when you cut that, it still had a lot of the, the juiciness in it. A lot of the tenderness was still in it because of the way that it was handled before. A lot of people that don't like deer meat don't know how to cook it right. It's you know you That's can't. What I tell everybody that says they don't like it. You right. haven't had somebody cook it. The, in a way or, was it, it, or it wasn't handled properly before they cooked right, it. Right, right. There's a lot to do with, that's why you want to take good care of it when you butcher it. You want to make sure you clean it nice. Um, when you cook deer meat, as a, as a general rule, you don't want any of the silver skin that's on it, any of that, any of the fat um, that might be around it, any of that, uh, anything but good red meat, if it's not holding that meat together. You know, you don't want to get into your ham section and start separating steaks out of there unless that's the way you prefer it. Um, but all that connective tissue on the outside, the silver skin on your back straps, once you thaw them out, the proper way to clean them is just to take your fillet knife, get underneath that silver skin, and just kind of run it's it down. It's tougher than you think. Yeah, you, yeah, you it, can it, put quite a bit of pressure against it with the blade and run it right up, and it right. could be a pretty clean separation. Yeah, the silver skin almost is like a like a thin leather sort of isn't that what the indians use for their was, it, was that the sinew that you hear about yeah that's the same thing the silver okay. skin would be the sinew okay. when that dries it would be tougher than hell i mean you ever had a piece of meat that's had some of that left on it you oh, know what i'm talking yeah. about it's the thing that you can chew and chew and chew and never right. actually chew up you either end up spitting it out or swallowing it whatever you prefer <laughs> but, we're not gonna uh, go down that road yeah so that's how that tenderloin came to be. Um, a lot I just of that... gotta say I'm really impressed that you didn't say anything smartass right there, Ray. Well, I'm trying to keep it serious. <laughs> I don't want to make it too. I was being comedic. serious too. We're still talking about your wife, though. So that's fine. We'll settle that after this. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, keeping it lean is also a good way to kind of keep it in your freezer longer. I was gonna say to not have your neighbor. <laughs> wife, um, it's all the fat that's in that meat that tends to spoil first that's where all a lot of the bacteria starts to grow um, the fat will turn rancid before the meat will right so um, so how about how about your roast how do you do a roast it depends well, let's on go let's go shoulder <clears throat> roast okay um, I would probably do it in a crock pot you could do it in an oven um, the way I do it I like to build a good base for my roast to be in um, Growing up, whenever my mom cooked a roast, it would be potatoes, maybe some white onions cut in half, and carrots in a crock pot with water and the roast. And she would dust it with a little bit of Lowry's and just a little bit of black pepper, and that thing would be like eating a football that just tasted. Lowry's is like the duct tape of the culinary world. Yeah, yeah. Lowry's will fix a lot of things, but in this case, it it didn't go far enough. So when I got old enough to, to actually cook, um, I realized that you don't have to use water in a crock pot. You can use like French onion soup mix yep. um, with a little bit of chicken broth. Mm -hmm. uh, you can put things in there like minced garlic, um, shallots, uh, white onions, uh, not even cut in half, just cut into you know chunks. Um, and I think the listener needs to keep in mind too that the, the, the meat when you have it in a slow cooker will produce juices on its own. Absolutely, too. so you don't yes. want to overdo it on, right. on the broth or whatever. Right. You know, thinking like that's it because once it starts cooking, it's but you want to build a, a good base. Um, for me, if I'm doing a roast, whether beef or venison, it's got to start with um, soy sauce, Worcestershire, probably in equal parts, 
Um, I would put that in first, and I would dust my meat with this Lipton soup mix, the onion soup mix. Yep. Um, put that in the pan, uh, the crock pot. I'd cut up some onions, put around it just enough to get around the meat without covering it, and then I would dust the top of the meat with probably uh, garlic powder, maybe some onion powder, um, a little Italian seasoning, and I'd just let it go for a while. I'd let the onions in there yes. on their own, cook down um, with the meat probably for four hours if it's on low. Uh, if it's on high, I'd probably say two hours. Uh, just let the onions break down in there, let some of that juice come out of the meat and then, you know, I would probably put in some carrots, some baby carrots, or some uh, quartered up red potatoes, and just let it finish up. Hell yeah! I, um, the roast I just cooked, it had uh, I just took onions, yep. ordered them. Yep. Uh, two, three onions, uh, two little bags of um, baby carrots, uh, yellow potatoes, chunked yep. up, a shoulder roast, and I, what I did is I just take a, ba a packet of uh, McCormick's Savory Pot Roast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pour that on the bottom and then double the water it calls for. <clears throat> Let's say this right now, too. There's no shame in using those. Uh, oh, hell no. They make those packets. It's quick and easy. And yeah. look, it's quick, it's easy, and you throw it in a crock pot, you throw it on low, you leave it for a couple hours, come back, throw it on high at the end. Turn, Dude, it's amazing. And you'll be left with just nothing but bone. Right. The kids will love it. The wife will love it. The meat it's stays awesome. juicy. And, if you, and let's go back to burger. And Ray, you can vouch for this to start getting your family introduced to venison. The easiest way is to use burger, right? To, to introduce it in ways in like spaghetti, sloppy joes, tacos. Yeah, yeah. you can hide it behind hamburger a helper. Ham, ham, it goes a long way in hamburger helper. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing about that, I'm only two seasons deep yeah. from hunting and you know bringing my own meat home, not the neighbors because he's gone now. So, <laughs> but, but seriously, with a burger, I couldn't. I had to give it away. We wouldn't eat it. The wife wouldn't eat it. She didn't right. like it. Didn't like the flavor. Now she's putting it, you know, making sloppy joes, tacos. Chili. Chili's yeah. a really Lasagna, easy one. chili. She, yep. Yep. She's like, oh, Any, we're out of beef or, you know, hamburger meat already. So like, <laughs> Anything shit. you can use uh, hamburger that you would buy at the yep. store for, you can use a venison burger for. Absolutely. And the only consideration you might have to take is if there's not fat cut into the burger when it's processed, you have to somehow supply that fat. You know, be it with olive oil or, or bacon grease or butter or whatever you want to use. Right. And one, one thing to point out, too, is I will say, that like, if, so if you're trying to introduce your family into this thing and you're cooking in the kitchen, the one thing you're going to notice is venison does have a gamey smell when you're cooking the burger. Right. Like, if you're, if you're, if you're browning it for whatever, it, it does have a funky <laughs> smell. So I learned a trick. So you, you take it out of the freezer. Yeah. Let it thaw for, like, 15 minutes, just enough to where the plastic kind of separates from the meat. Right. And then slide it out towards a brick, and then just keep flipping it in that pan and scraping off the meat. Right. You'll never get that smell. Just keep seasoning it on the way. And the, and the beauty about venison burger is you don't have to drain the shit. Right. When it's done cooking, there's no grease, there's no nothing. You can right. just go, bam. Yep. Don't got to get the strainer out for nothing. Yep. You're not worried about getting rid of all that extra grease from the fat that rendered down when you put it in the pan because the only thing that's in the pan is what you wanted to be there. So you can take that if you're making like hamburger helper you throw the rest of your ingredients in there mix it up and you're done you don't have to get out the strainer strain off the fat you know none of that stuff and i i, I got a good burger recipe as a matter of fact um for it's a meatloaf venison meatloaf. okay now I, like i said i don't add any fat to my to my burger when i grind it up right and i, t I take a you take a meatloaf pan 
And then you, you take your, your meat in a mixing bowl and you add your breadcrumbs, your seasoning. Mm -hmm. um, what else did I add? I add an egg. Yep. Mix it, up, mix it all together. And then what I do is I take, I take a layer of meat and I put it at the bottom of the pan and line it up. Now, this is kind of, kind of a branch off from uh, the, the meat eater or Steve Ranella's uh, <clears throat> recipe okay. for his meatloaf. It's a more basic version of his. <laughs> he wants pine nuts and all kinds of weird shit. <laughs> but um, so you, you line the bottom of the pan with some meat. Right. Then in another pan, you're, you're going you're gonna to put in some butter. Okay. You're going to mince up some garlic. Yep. Probably two cloves. And then you're going to take some... Uh, a whole onion and some and some spinach and you're gonna put it in there and you're, and you're gonna cook it until the spinach wilts right once the spinach wilts you take it all you take all that stuff off all that good shit and you put it on the meat and spread it out and you leave about a half inch gap between all the way around the yep edge of the pan yep all the way around the edge of the pan then you take and uh, you can use whatever cheese you want I used the block Swiss I couldn't find block provolone yeah um, yeah, oddly, that's hard to find for some reason at Walmart. Right. Well, hey, <laughs> get your shit together, Walmart. So anyway, I uh, saying that for years. Right. I uh, so I, I you, you cut up the Swiss. Yep. Um, fairly generous, generously thick uh, slices. Cover your spinach with cheese. With the cheese. Absolutely. And then you take the rest, the other half of your meat. And cover that all back, but you kind of crown it to where it's higher in the middle, and then and then you take uh, a good seedy mustard. Yeah, like a whole grain mustard. Yeah, and you kind of spread it over the top like that, and throw that bitch in the oven. Uh, shit, I can't remember how. I think it was like 400 for 30 minutes or so. Right. Because like I said, venison is supposed to be cooked rare, so. If it's undercooked a little bit, you're not going to get sick. It's, it's not. It's gonna not going to hurt you at all. Yeah. If, if if anything, if it's if it's a little undercooked, just stick it in for a little longer. If it's right. not to your satisfaction. And with burger, but, that, but that's a really good, really good uh, meatloaf recipe in general. You don't even have to use venison for that one. No, um, a meatloaf with cheese in the middle and spinach sounds delicious. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, now, and we talked earlier about like when you're gutting the animal. Right. And, and we, we already <clears throat> talked about the coal fat. What you can use that for. The liver, I'm not a liver dude. I'm not a liver fan either, but I know people that are that prefer venison liver, particularly like a younger, a year and a half uh, year old deer would, I, I guess, have a better flavor for the liver. I can't vouch for that. I don't eat the stuff, but uh, the heart is really something special. Um, the heart, is, it's, it's a new thing for me. Yeah. But I got to tell you, man, <laughs> it's, I love it. Yeah. I, I purposely... We were talking about shot placement in episode one, counting back ribs. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's that's part of the reason is I don't want to fuck that heart up because I want to eat it. Yes, <laughs> that's what I said. I don't prefer to shoot in the vitals because I don't want to damage the heart. If I it's can help it's it. one of my new favorite cuts of meat. Yeah, it's awesome. There are so many things you can do with it. Um, now, yeah, when you take it out and you keep it, I just I for it, it, what's mitochondrial fucking whatever the shit that sack it sits in. So when you take it out, you can set it on the grass and then the leaves and shit, and it's not going to hurt it. You got that little protective right. membrane over That's, it, if you will. Right. Usually so I so don't that. freak out when it's all dirty and you think you're fucked. <laughs> like you, you could take it home and slide it right out of there. Right. Um, usually, I cut it out of that as I'm gutting the deer when I get the heart yeah. out. But I bring a quart bag with me in my backpack when I'm hunting just for the heart. I come prepared so that I know when I cut that heart out, 
I pull it out of that sack that it's in, you know, I cut it. I don't leave any of those tubes or whatever attached to it. I cut it as close to the heart as I can. Oh, you do that out in the field? Yes. Okay. Um, just so I don't have to mess with it at home. See, I'm just simple. I just slice it away from the lungs and then throw, right. it, throw it in a bag or whatever that, you know, and lay it on the ground. But I have forgot it out there, too. We, that, that dough that we drug yep. a mile and a half that day. To each their ah. own. But I, that's because I like it so much, that's one of the first things I take care of when I'm uh, field dressing my deer is I'll get the heart out straight well, away. My brother, my brother was laughing at me. We, uh, during gun season, he was down at, he was sitting <laughs> south of us down there by where I gutted my big one and I was uh -huh. sitting with my kid. And I'm like, oh shit, I gutted that thing and I forgot the heart. Will you grab that heart, please? <laughs> it's like, you got a plastic bag with you? Can you grab that for me? If not, just put it in your pocket. That's He's fine. like, I feel like a serial killer right now walking out of the woods with this heart. Hey, good on him. <laughs> but it's good, it man. It's yeah. really good. And so what I do is when I get home, that's when I do that. It's kind of it kind of core like a bell pepper is what I, kind of how I look at it. Yeah. You cut the top off where the stem is, you know what I mean? Right. Just kind of get that those uh, valves or whatever valves or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And, and, and the, the first thing I noticed about the heart is it's really lean. Yes. But when you eat it, it's got a different texture. It tends to be a little more firm. Does that, does that change if you boil it? Because I've heard about people boiling it, and it also helps suck out the blood. You know, I don't know about boiling it. Um, what I do with it, what I get my heart, is I'll take it home and I'll put it in. First of all, I'll rinse the whole thing out under some just room temperature water. Um, I'll kind of let the water run in the top and I'll kind of pump the heart a little bit to get some of that coagulated blood out of the heart because inevitably there's going to be some blood stuck in there. I will take the whole heart and I'll put it in a bowl uh, with some salt water. Um, I put the salt in, then I put the water in, then I put the heart in and just let it sit in the fridge for a day. The salt will help draw a lot of that blood out of the heart and make the heart just a little more cleaner. Um, Less gamey tasting. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, I've never noticed a gamey taste to the heart, but that's because I always soak it in the salt water. So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it tasted gamey. When, well, I, I take that back because remember that first time Ray was there, the first time I ever cooked one. Right. I cut it up into like two steaks. Yeah. You know, and I, no, I, and just, I, threw, it on the, I threw it on the grill and I cooked it just like I would a steak. And it, it was the flavor was really good. Now, um, but when you cleaned your heart, so what I do is I take it out of the salt water, I'll rinse it off again, and then I'll cut it in half, like you said, almost like two steaks. And I will take, um, there'll be these little stringy things inside the heart. They look like little nodules or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And you want to try and trim them out. Um, I take those out and I take any of that white part of the heart, that fat that looks like, even yeah. if it's real thin on there, I try to get that off there as much as I can because that will give it that gamey flavor. When that renders down, that's where you get that probably could tell it came from a deer uh, sort of taste to it um, and then my favorite thing to do with it either is to leave it like you said as two steaks once you clean out all those little nodules out of the inside of it and just season it up and throw it on the grill you know charred a little bit on one side flip it over charred again on the other side with the heart salt and pepper I think is all you really need just so you get more of that natural delicious heart well, flavor. I'm, I'm gonna tell you my new favorite heart recipe yeah I chunk it up into these little, like half-inch chunks. Yeah. Throw it in a pan again. Yeah. It, it's it's funny. Like you think venison, like anymore. I'm always thinking garlic. I'm yep. always thinking onion. Onion. Every time. And olive oil. But uh, you can't go wrong. Right. That's so I th I throw I mince up some garlic, throw some onion in a pan, chunk up the heart, throw that in there, some Lowry seasoning, some right. pepper, cook right. that, and then I take that, put it on a plate. Then I take my eggs, scramble some eggs up, 
throw the eggs on top of the heart, and then I take spicy ketchup, sriracha yeah. ketchup. <laughs> best thing in the fucking world, dude. Spread that shit over the top. That is the it's best breakfast. Your farts will smell like death for about three days after that, but they're awesome. That's a good uh, good disclaimer. When you eat wild game, it'll make your toots smell a little more rich. <laughs> you said toots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your, your wife might make you sleep on the couch for a while, but it, it's good shit, man. It's, it's really, really, really good. One of my, like I said, one of my new favorite cuts of meat. I'm, I'm, one of these days, I'm going to do the liver thing. I'm going to do it just to try it. But I think it's more, like, to me, the texture would seem like it would be like... Uh, like the canned cranberries you eat at Thanksgiving. Like, oh, like a jelly sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Well, just the basic description of something livering, like, oh, it's livering. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's just a turnoff. Yeah. I mean, that's where that term came from. And I've heard it's it's bloody, blood tasting. I, you know, I ate it when I was a kid. That's why. Hey, I don't but it's eat weird. It like I like I like rare meats. Yeah. But I don't I don't know. Just just the way it's been described to me doesn't sound very good. No. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, so, right? Liver's oh. gross. <laughs> uh, how about tongue? Have you I, ever done the tongue? I have not, to my knowledge, ever eaten tongue um, from a deer. I've had beef tongue before. That's not bad. Um, from a deer, like I said, I know a guy that does it. I always save my tongues for him. He takes them, and he'll clean up all the dirt or whatever that's on the outside, rinse it off real good, and then you boil it. Well, for, I just want to back you up for a minute. Let's yep. removing the tongue. Oh, that's a fun job. Right. So you want to cut the bottom of the jawline, right? You kind of yes. Yeah. Like, you want to. Okay. So you have your deer head, and you'll have it upside down, so the snout's pointing away from you, and you'll see the jawline running on the bottom of the, you know, the jaw. You want to cut down either side of the jawline until it kind of comes back into a triangle, and. Uh, Basically, just pull the tongue out. You reach in there, wrap your fingers around the tongue through the hole that you made, and kind of peel it backwards, and it comes out as one piece. You don't really have to do much cutting. You could probably just pull it right out. And uh, then you're left with, it's surprisingly big. It's like a... See, that's that's funny, because I've heard a lot of people say, like, tongue's really good, and they they like it, but as far as taking it out of whitetail and mule deer, that it there really wasn't much reward for your effort, so they was just left it. Yeah, I, I guess it's not anything close to the size of a beef tongue, obviously. Or an elk or a buffalo. Right, or, or but those are bigger moose. bigger animals, so right. it's going to be... There's more to it than, you know, just with the tongue that you see. There's a lot of meat behind that and attached to that, so... So now back to how he cooks it. Yeah, he, uh, he'll clean it up and he'll boil it. I don't know for how long until... I would guess half hour, 45 minutes, but it's got a skin on the outside of it. <clears throat> and once you boil it, you kind of let it cool and you peel that skin off and then you can do anything you want with it. That basically is the edible part of the tongue. You could cut it up, uh, put it back in the pan, saute it, uh, put it in like some pasta, some rigatoni or something. You could, I'm sure just fry Throw it on, on a its cracker own. with some salt. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever you wanted to do, I guess with tongue meat, but he said he really likes it. It's, How would you describe the texture? Uh, I've never actually had it, so. I well, I mean, beef I, tongue. Beef tongue is, is kind of stringy. Um, it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, kind of like taco meat. If you ever had shredded taco meat? Yeah. Yeah, kind of like that. Really? It's uh, It depends on how you cook it, but 
that that's one of them. That's one. Of, that's a cut of meat that I would think it would just freak people out more than it's a tongue more than yeah. anything. Like the flavor wouldn't scare them. It would just be the fact that they're eating. And that's you know sure. a lot of our food-based beers are the perception of what you know who wants to eat a tongue. But if you served it to somebody and didn't tell them what it was and just let them eat it, they'd probably like it. If it's cooked right, you know, like like with anything, if it's treated with the proper amount of respect. Well, here's a, here's a crazy one for you. Last episode, you, you mentioned eating coyote and you never have, and I said right. I did. Yeah. Uh, one of my <laughs> old bosses, he, uh, I, I trapped a coyote, skinned it out, and I was telling him, I'm like, man, it was crazy. I was like, I was, I was kind of considering cutting out them back straps and just seeing what, it was, seeing what it's all about, but I've heard it tastes like shit, and I was yeah. like, I'm kind of weirded out by eating a dog, you know? And he, yeah. he was like, well, cut them out, and I'll, I'll take them. I'll, I'll see what I can do with them. So I cut out the back straps, gave them to him the next day, yeah. Weeks went by. Forgot all about it. <laughs> Comes back to work with some jerky. Ooh. Here you go. All right. So every everybody's eating it, and he was, and they don't ask what it is. I'll tell you after you eat it. Right. When I started hearing that, I knew exactly what it was. Oh like, my god, fucker! But it was good. Really. The jerky was really good. Granted, it was. We talk about high quality cuts. That was right. a very high quality cut of meat off any animal. Sure. Backstrap, but very good jerky's. If, if you marinate anything long enough. Yeah. You yeah, know. you can make jerky out of like an old shoe. If you got the right seasoning on it, it'll probably be edible. Yeah. It's, it's all in how you treat it um, and the process that you use to treat it with. Yeah, I mean, and another thing that before we go too much further, before I forget, um, we talked about boning out a ham for smoking, brining right. and smoking. Right. Um, yeah, so you got your ham, your venison ham. <clears throat> Now, I've always had this fantasy of smoking the ham stuffed with a bunch of good shit. Right. Potatoes and onions and carrots or whatever. I haven't done it yet. And then, like, you know, folding it over back back over on itself and tying it with some twine or something right. and smoking it. Um, but I, I haven't done that yet. But I will tell you, just brining it alone and smoking it by itself. Oh, my God. That is so good. But let's talk about what a brine is before we really get into that. So okay. a brine is salt and sugar, right? Right. It's a salt and sugar solution that you marinate, for lack of a better word. You let things soak in to enhance flavor, uh, increase tenderness, make it a lot more juicy. Uh, usually you brine something when it's going to be under um, like an intense amount of heat for a short amount of time just to help it kind of hold on to more moisture and right. more flavor. But your basic ingredients, salt, sugar. Salt, sugar, yeah. Water. Water. So if, if remembering, trying to remember what I used for the brine on the, the one we smoked at Deer Camp, I, I want to say I used, I, I know I used garlic and onion. <clears throat> yep. Of course. Naturally. Um, pepper, Lowry seasoning. Right. Brown sugar and kosher salt. And water, I forgot how much exactly, but I mean, you just you kind of eyeball it. You can look up brine recipes all day long. You, you, you throw it in a Tupperware or whatever. You throw your ham in there and let it right. soak. And I mean, you just make it so it covers most of it. Is it, it, you want to let it brine for what you say two days at least? Yeah, because you want to flip that thing eventually. It depends on the recipe, uh, how big the meat is that you're letting brine. You want to you want to allow as much time as possible for that stuff to yes. soak into that yeah. meat. So you, when you're done brining, you take it out of the brine. You want to put it on a rack, dry it off. Right. Then before you smoke it, you want to give it a good dry rub. Right. Um, the one we used up north, <laughs> whoa, that was not way too salty. Yeah. Um, so. Do you I'm, remember I'm, what it was, or? 
a lot of fucking salt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was way uh, too much damn salt. No, it was uh, cayenne pepper, um, uh, a lot of just a lot of salt in general. Um, oh, shit, I can't remember what the hell we. It was just a bunch of random spices that we had in the cabinet okay. up there at the cabin. But uh, my brother, brown sugar, a lot of brown sugar. That was kind of like the base, you know. Right. My brother was kind of trying to walk me through it. I had never rubbed one down before, so I'm like, "What the fuck? I, like, I, th- I thought you just go buy this shit." Right. He's <laughs> like, "No, I'll throw a little bit of this, a little bit of that." And, well, I ended up putting a little bit too much of the damn salt in there, right. so it, that was, it didn't turn out as good as it could have been. But I did it again at home. I just kept it real simple. I, I put, uh, uh, Lowry, Lowry's, yep, pepper, a lot of brown sugar, some salt. It mix it together, rubbed it on there real good. I like uh, particularly with venison to keep things kind of simpler. Um, I like the taste of the the, the meat has its own. Right, that's that's kind of what why we. And plus, when you're smoking it, that adds a, a whole different right it, ball game. Yeah, you can get into different layers of flavor there with what kind of wood you use for smoke, what kind of you know dry smoke, wet smoke, all that stuff. So. Like, I mean, you let the, and this thing's gonna, I mean, this thing will feed. It fed six people at your yeah. camp for a couple of days. So you, you rub it down with that. I like to get my grill or my smoker about as close to 300, right between two, two and 300. Throw it in there and just keep an eye on it, keep a, keep a thermometer on it. Yeah. I like to get it to when it's about 160, is when I call it good. Uh, is, that, you, is that the internal temperature? Right. As measured by a thermometer. Meat thermometer, right. Um, I'd usually go to the thickest part of the meat, stick it in there. Um, like I said, I, my goal is 160. Once it reach, reaches there, I'm, I'm good, and I take it off. But you want to keep a close eye on it. You want to keep flipping that thing. When you're smoking meats, like mine has a, my grill has a sidekick. Okay. So the heat source is actually in the sidekick. Side. Yeah, so what you gotta keep rotating that thing, or you're gonna burn the shit out of one end of that. You, right. can't, you can't just throw it on there and walk away. Plus, you gotta <laughs> you gotta keep the temperature up. Um, but th- that's that, man. You just slice that into some slices. You can just eat them. Yeah. Eat them like slices of ham, or put them on, on a sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. Right, dude, they're it's it's fucking amazing. So and and you could wait. Well, you know, the sirloin tip roast is in on that action. It's it's part of that ham. So you can even if you if you remove the sirloin tip roast. Like we said before, and isolate it by itself. If you, if you just if you change your mind and don't want to do jerky with it, right? You can smoke that thing by itself, or you you cooked it uh, for one of the get-togethers you had not too long ago. You said and sliced it in the steaks yep. after cooking it in the oven, yep. and that was awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a really lean meat. I mean, right? It's good stuff, packed with uh, a lot of flavor. As long as you don't overwhelm it with seasonings, that's why you know we talk about onions and garlic. It doesn't need Maybe a little bit of Lowry's, uh, you know. You don't need to cover it up with things. It's sturdy enough to stand up if if that's what you want to do. But if you want to taste the meat itself, salt and pepper, you know, a little onion powder, a little garlic powder, and that's all you need. Yeah, I mean, you just just keep it simple. Me and Ray always say, you know, whenever we're cooking something new, Lowry seasoning and pepper. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's all you need. It's a good standby. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good general rule. And like I said before, whenever you're cooking these, these cuts of venison, just if you want to keep it basic and spice it up a little bit, still garlic, yep. onion. You can't go wrong with that mix. No, no, you really can't. Butter-flavored Crisco. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and 
you can do when you grind your meat. We were talking about adding fat to it. You know, Adam yeah. does. I don't. There's no right or wrong way to do it. it you just gotta go. I I I can taste the pork fat. Yeah. When somebody has it in there, and to me, I, it just kind of turns me off. It's it's not bad. It's not to where it's, I'm not gonna eat something, but it's right. just kind of. You know, it's not the pure. Uh, Straight up, 100%. right, and, and burger patties. If you do grind it lean, there's all kind. Like I, you know, I put cheese in mine to help adhere it. Right, but breadcrumbs. Yep, just simple plain breadcrumbs. Throw some of that in there. I used to add one egg per pound when I and mix it all together. Is it like a binder? So, yeah. So when the egg, I mean, it's kind of slimy when you're patting up your burgers. Yeah, but they turn out well. Yeah. So what, but as they're cooking, that egg cooks in there and it, it just holds everything together. Right. Feta, like a, feta cheese puts chunks of feta cheese in there. That's a good. That's a good way to do it. Um, we used uh, chunks of Swiss cheese one time, and actually it was right after we found a bunch of morel mushrooms. So we cut up oh, the morel shit. mushrooms with the Swiss cheese and made mushroom and Swiss burgers. You know, right. we just pack it in, and I mean, it's pretty damn good. <laughs> right. I mean, get, get creative with your grinds, too. I mean, we, we haven't even got into sausage. Right. Summer sausage. Oh, I mean, God. You, yeah. That'd be a whole different... Uh, yeah. I'm an extreme novice when it comes to that, so if, if you've got some info, I'm going to pick your brain off. Well, off I, know, I know just enough about it to be dangerous, probably. <laughs> I don't, I've never tried it myself. I know a guy, his dad makes some really good stuff. Um, I know how to do it. I've got everything to do it with. I just haven't done it. It's something that we've always talked about, kind of wanting to do, but I just never found the time or never made the time to actually try it. So right, it's uh, but definitely bo- interesting. But bottom line, hopefully this at least gives people kind of a baseline to work with more than anything. Yeah. It wasn't so much specific recipes as it was just trying to give – so you can try to introduce this stuff to your family without having them run for the hills. Right. Because it, it's like a first-time impression. I mean, it's it's versatile enough that you can mean everything. Yeah, it's versatile oh, enough sure. you can hide it behind a sauce, or if you want to present it just on its own, it can also do that. You know, you can make it a side dish or a main dish. Um, just eat it. You know, try it. Don't be afraid to. And like and like I said, I mean, a lot of people's wives would probably be pretty pissed off if the, if you, <laughs> if you made something and then just snuck it to them. Yeah. But but just tell them like, look, I'm I got this deer, I got this burger. Right. I'm yeah. I'm gonna try this. Right. Like chili is the easiest thing you can, you cannot taste the burger in the chili, but it it just it, it puts them at ease. Yeah, it gives them the, the peace of mind. That's like, a tough oh, that part. wasn't so bad. Yeah. If you have a bunch of beef eaters, then that's all you know they've had. Right. Like, I mean, that, right. That bar is up there. As oh far yeah. As taste, especially. Right. It, and and people are little, used to what they're used to. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, don't like branching out, trying new things because they're they get set in their ways. Yeah. And, and if you can introduce people to this in a way that doesn't scare them away immediately, you know, it gives them a chance to keep an open mind and enjoy exactly. themselves. Yep. to try it another way. Yeah. Another way. Right. You know? Yeah, and, and like... You can win them over. We talked about Shane coming over and trying that tenor right. I have a fucking badass jalapeno and cheese recipe for, for some, uh, for some backstraps that... I'm gonna have to save for another episode because that's just too good for this one. But uh, all right, <laughs> um, and, you know, he, he was he, he tried that, loved that, right? You know, and I cooked some uh, some uh, back straps on the grill when he stopped by the one day. Tried some of that. He's like, every time I try it, it's just, it's awesome. 
And this is from a guy that tried it once years ago and right. kind of vowed never to try it again. How old is he? Yeah, and you. I was I, the same way, actually, yeah. Yeah. yeah How long ago was it before you tried it again? Oh, God. At least 10 years. Right. And then you sh- and then, yeah, I mean. Come, then, come back to it. And yeah, decide full it circle. Was, yeah, yeah. No, no, I love it. it it's, it's, it's deep, man. It's yeah. deep. When you, when you eat an animal that you kill, there is a connection that you can't compare to anything else. It goes else. back to just our primal instincts, you know, hunting, hunt killing, and that's part of the reason. Living. Yeah, and that's part of the reason I like doing my own deer too. Like we talked about before, I love that shit. I, I, I put in the work, but it, when I sit down and I'm eating that shit, I know exactly where it came from. Right. From start to finish, from the woods to my plate, I know exactly where that meat's been and exactly how it's been handled. Your hands were the only ones that touched it, and, and there's a there's an overwhelming sense of pride when you can supply that for your family, for your significant other. You know, you sit down to a meal that maybe you got a garden in your backyard, so you you grew the tomatoes and the potatoes and the lettuce. You know, self-sufficient, which is something that a lot of people nowadays aren't. So. Right. Well, like we said, hopefully this gives you guys a, the the courage to get out there and, and start getting in the kitchen and mixing things up a little bit. Yeah. Again, if you guys if you guys have your own recipes that you guys want to throw at us, please do. I, I want to start a segment here soon. I'm thinking where we do like a recipe, like a, a listener recipe maybe. Or yeah. Yeah. Read it off. Um, give us specifics. We'll read it off. Um, we'll throw some of our own in there. Yeah. Because I, I got a lot of specific recipes I wanted to talk about. but Yeah, me too. I mean, we could, we could keep going on this episode for, for hours. So shoot us an email, raxfurandfeathers at gmail.com. Not N like the podcast it's is. A-N-D. Are you guys tired of me saying that yet? Yeah, spell it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, hit up our Facebook page, Rack Furs and Feathers Podcast. Uh, there's, a, there's a group you guys can join. Hit us up. Let us know. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep yeah. rolling with these. Thanks for listening. That's it, boys and girls. We did it. I hope you guys had a good time. Uh, Keep your ears to the ground for episode six. We're going to be sitting down with Chuck Powell talking trapping. So I think you guys are going to have fun with that one. Special thanks to Shane Yoder from PutThemInASong.com for our artwork and our theme music. Uh, Special thanks to Kyle Palmotter for taking care of all of our editing. Special thanks to Eric and Michelle Fisher for letting us sit in their house and record this episode. Uh, Follow us on Twitter, at RFFPodcast. Look us up on Facebook. Rex Fur and Feathers, or shoot us an email with any questions, comments, or criticism at RexFurAndFeathers at gmail.com, and we'll talk to you next time. See ya.